0: Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Terry Toppler, and this is a podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for this 430 second show is Dr. Brian Roberts, professor of history at the University of Northern Iowa, who will be talking to us about American alchemy, the American Gold Rush, and middle class culture. Our history buffs are Brett Menard and Ed Broders. Ed, you get to start us off this time.
1: Thanks, Terry. Brian, you've established that um, most of the people that went, west, most of the men that went west to California were middle class to start with. The other gold rushes that a lot of people have heard of were the were the black were in the Black Hills and in the Yukon. Um, did mm-hmm. the same things? Did the same things hold true for those gold rushes that, in order to kind of go off? on this adventure that you kinda needed a little something behind you to start with?
2: Uh yeah. Um well first of all the people I looked at in the gold rush are, are kind of subsets, so it's not most of the people who went. I mean, the people who went to California during the gold rush were from all over the place. So I'm, I'm really only looking at kind of from the northeastern United States, the, the people who invested a lot of money to go. Uh, but what, what I would say is um, in the other gold rushes, uh, there, was, there was never another gold rush that quite reach the level of the California gold rush uh, just just because I think it was such a big event but it was also kind of it was impossible to repeat that um, in the sense that you know just the promises of what people were going to find in California ended up kind of not being true and so you could say well people did learn the lesson and they didn't get that excited again but there were as you point out there were other rushes and, you know, it, there are some similarities in the sense that I think in, uh, in the rushes, especially something like the Yukon gold rush, um, you know, it costs a lot of money to get to get there. Um, and so it's not just it. it It's never, these gold rushes or resource rushes like this, they're never poor men's events. I think uh, historians who depict them that way um, are, it's really kind of inaccurate. Um, There may have been some poor people who were on site at these places or around the area who could get there without investing a lot of money. But in something like the Yukon gold rush, I mean, you've got it. You've got, by then you had transportation, but people still had to get to Seattle, and then, from there, get to Alaska, the jumping off point, and then from there to um, buy equipment and make their way to um, to to the Klondike. and so um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they were ever like California, but I think they were they were gold rushes tended to be kind of people on the make looking out for money who wanted to invest money, so um, they're more kind of entrepreneurial than we would think. Uh, you know, on on uh, the Klondike Gold Rush, what was interesting was just how much, uh, to me what's interesting about that is is how m- much merchants learned from the California Gold Rush. And that was pretty much a kind of merchant-based Gold Rush from the very beginning. A lot of food companies that we now kind of, that are now very well known, like Van Camps, uh, I think Swift. They started basically selling supplies to Klondike uh, or, or Yukon gold uh, gold rushers.
0: Brett.
3: So, Brian, we have in our popular imagination uh, this idea that the people who go to the uh, gold rush were were rough. Um, people who tended to work with their hands, and you're, you suggest that you know they came from pretty um, solidly middle class uh, backgrounds. How does that misinterpretation arise?
2: Uh, that I think that interpretation fits with what these guys, the way they tended to write about themselves. And so, I mean, a lot of my argument is that the Gold Rush was a highly literary event. And what these guys were doing um, in the Gold Rush, what 49ers were doing was they were writing with audiences in mind. And so um, a lot of them ended up publishing their diaries. So the Gold Rush created this explosion and kind of these literary depictions of the Gold Rush, And they would always depict themselves as these rough types. Uh, They would essentially mask their identities as middle-class individuals and create a kind of persona, uh, much as people do today on the web, um, that was really a kind of invention, uh, what they kind of wanted to be, how they wanted to picture themselves. And so uh, even some of the 49ers who... uh, didn't necessarily think of themselves as writers. They were sending their letters back to newspapers to be published. They were writing for their family members. And so this is a, there was definitely, I think, a tendency for the Gold Rush to kind of be, when people thought about encoding their experiences, they would always think in terms of kind of a literate culture. And, you know, in, this is the period of the kind of emergence of the novel You know, a kind of mainstay of middle class culture. And it was a new thing, this idea that you could invent characters. Um, And so they went for this in a big way. They invented themselves as characters uh, and remade themselves as kind of capable of doing of being very rough types.
0: Brian, you talk about the archetype of the 49er, and I was surprised to see we have a William Prentice of Davenport, Iowa, mentioned in your book. How did he portray that archetype?
2: I, you know, the, the thing is, as, I've, as far as I remember, William Prentice, he was a doctor mm-hmm. um, yes. in Davenport, and I, I think he may have gone in, uh, on the overland trip to California. So my focus on Prentice was very brief, I think, in my research. Uh, as I say, I was more, I was more focused on the northeastern 49ers. And I think Prentice came across me because he had relocated to Davenport um, from the northeast, which where a lot of – that's basically where you had the, the, the white population of Iowa at that time was coming from, a lot more coming from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know that much about Prentice in the, what he actually did in California. I know that he was a doctor, and his decision to take off for California was considered by many to be a very, people just could not understand what he was doing. And so, and this was the case with a lot of people. It was not considered a a very respectable thing to do, to take Mm -hmm. off and leave your family and go to California and mine for gold. (laughs) But much like all these other people, he did it anyway. (laughs) Ed? Um, Yes, Brian, um,
1: since California at that time really was just kind of, as you pointed out earlier, public U.S. land, um, there was probably very little law enforcement um, if i were middle class once i got there um, you know i would have taken money with me um, would i do anything to sort of appear to be less than i was in in terms of finances so i didn't get hit over the head out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> uh...
2: that you know that's a great question The what I found in, in my research was that um, the violence that supposedly characterized California culture during the, during the gold rush was largely um, an invented violence. And so uh, when, when 49ers were kind of communicating with their wives in a more honest way, um, not writing, in other words, for public consumption, what they admitted was that um, basically this was not a lawless culture. Uh, the idea was that you know people were going to get rich at the at the mines, and so uh, there wasn't people weren't looking to rob anyone. And so I mean, people even said you could leave your belongings in the middle of the street and go, come back and get them much later, and they wouldn't be touched. Um, there was, there was a focus on violence as it went on in the gold rush, but the, the focus tended to be on kind of claim jumping, duels between men. And even that really wasn't that common. My What I think is kind of the, the stories of violence that, was, that were kind of made up were ways of kind of hiding the actual violence that was going on in California, which was the dispossession of indigenous people, um, you know, California Native Americans or Indians who were there. And that was really violent. So there was a violent dispossession of these people. There were, there were actually, um, there was a kind of genocide going on, whether it was kind of uh, intentional always or not, it was happening at that time. So uh, I don't think these guys were that concerned. They were concerned about um, getting kind of robbed maybe when they were reading about the Gold rush before joining but they didn't really have I don't think there was much problem to where they had to hide their money this kind of thing um, it was pretty law. it was a, a law abiding society especially if you were white if you were, uh, if you were Native American or Chinese or black you, you, you would have to probably worry about violence in California at that time
0: Brett.
2: So we've
3: talked about several misconceptions. Um, are there any other misconceptions that uh, we've overlooked that uh, people should know about?
2: Uh, well, I, I think, you know, probably the big misconception is kind of, I don't know if it's a misconception, but there's this kind of idea that uh, this was the California gold rush is kind of the birth of of our modern society. Um, And the way I've always felt, um, or maybe it was kind of as I was doing the research, I started to realize this is really not how we want to organize our society, where uh, there's a tendency to kind of go and uh, in California, what you end up with, I think, is a society where it 's a much more of a throwaway culture where you build things, you create a society, and then there 's this idea that you can kind of go in and tear it all down and start over again and rebuild it. and so um, I think one of the misconceptions is kind of that 's a good thing, and I think that uh, a, a much more stable you know, the, California created this kind of in, this, this um, idea that instability is a good thing and kind of economic chaos is a good thing and it will have great effects. And I'm not sure it actually does. I think maybe we might have been better off. Um, I, I've tended to think over the years we might have been better off if there hadn't been a gold rush.
0: Brian, I have to tell you, I laughed out loud when I got to the section at the end of "Husbands and Wives" when you mentioned Fanny Fern's 1854 novel, "Ruth Hall," and mm-hmm. Mrs. Skiddy. Can you share with us uh, what she did or what she said?
2: Uh, I, I'm I'm having trouble remembering oh. that story. Can you remind me of? I, the- oh,
0: I certainly can. Um, it said that uh, yes, her. Mr. Skiddy finally uh, wants to leave, have his freedom uh, to go off to the gold regions, but he needs his wife to send him money for the passage home later. And mm-hmm, and mm. so she opens the letter, sees his request, and she hissed like 10,000 serpents, and one extremely powerful word, never. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I think I, I was... Um, that story to me really kind of, um, it really hammers home the point of how much uh, the 49ers relied on women to support them during this whole experience. And, you know, I do make the point later, I think in the book that, you know, all of this work that, that women had done to support this, you know, it ended up really being kind of moved to the margins of the event. And it's really, it's, uh, it's been fairly recently that historians have kind of gone back and discovered what a major role women had in the gold rush who didn't go to California. And for years, I mean, the, the focus was on the few women who went. And I've always thought, well, that, that's important for them, but that's not the typical story of women in the gold rush. Most of the women initially did not go. And then... Uh, uh, some women ended up making sure that their husbands uh, in, in a very similar story uh, a lot of the 49ers ended up trying to kind of convince their, their loved ones or their wives uh, to come out to California and many of them just refused to do it and forced these guys to come home so women had a lot of power um, during the gold rush women had more power than, than most of the time I think
0: I think we have time for one last question. Ed.
2: Um, yeah,
1: Brian. Um, you mentioned early in the show that President Polk announced the, the discovery of gold in 1848, and this was shortly after um, the, uh, Amer- the United States had taken territory from Mexico. Uh, Why did he do that? Was it just a strategic thing to get an American presence on the West Coast?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that was uh, it. You know, it it gives that kind of gives way to conspiracy theories about you know how much did um, Polk did he know that there wasn't as much gold or there was a lot of gold in California? Don't get me wrong, but like people weren't going to get rich mining it. Uh, So, yeah, partly I think it's to, there's a whole effort to make sure uh, that people get out to the West and colonize this territory. Uh, It wasn't necessarily public land at that point. I think it was, it was essentially area, it was land uh, that was taken from Mexico and kind of ill-defined. So they were trying to get it populated uh, the other thing is, Polk was not a popular president. Um, he, he did not have, uh, I think he's, there have been revisionists who go back and look and say, well, this was a, a fairly successful administration, at least in terms of kind of expansion, if you, if you measure it that way. But Polk um, did not, uh, he, uh, he was not the most popular president. And so he was under, I think, a lot of pressure to kind of come up with um, reasons for the U.S. to fight this war with Mexico. And I think the discovery of gold there uh, it can't be seen as justification, but I think for some people it, it, it did provide a kind of economic rationale for the war. I mean, you have to keep in mind that... Um, during the war, I mean, uh, the U.S. decision to get into the war almost ruined the career of uh, Abraham Lincoln, who stood up and was one of the he was one of the people in the House who uh, basically stood and, and made an anti-war speech going into the war with Mexico. So that war was very controversial. Polk's administration was controversial. So I think he was he was under a lot of pressure to kind of come up with some kind of rationale that would make him go down in history as a successful president.
0: We would like to thank our guest for this 432nd show, Dr. Brian Roberts, professor of history at the University of Northern Iowa, who talked to us about American alchemy, the American gold rush, and middle-class culture. The history buffs for today's show were Brett Menard and Ed Broders. You can listen to ROI as it is being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City Region at 9.30 PM. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on tunein.com. Put K-A-L-A-H-D-2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at soundcloud.com. Just put K-A-L-A radio in the search. Click on the first icon and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. ROI is recorded at station K-A-L-A, St. Ambrose, University.